Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages, and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Ruth Bell was born on June 10, 1920 in China. Her parents were medical missionaries at the Presbyterian Hospital, 300 miles north of Shanghai, at a time when the land was filled with chaos due to superstitions, disease, and civil wars. Her parents laid a stable foundation for her childhood, dependence on God in every circumstance, love for His Word, concern for others above self, and an indomitable spirit displayed with a smile. Ruth was a spunky child and had a tender heart for all living things. She often brought animals home, dead or alive, that she had come across and would try to nurse them back to life. When Ruth was 13 years old, her parents sent her to a boarding school in an area now known as North Korea. It was a terribly hard time on Ruth to be separated from her family, but even at that young age, she had a real relationship with the Lord and gained much strength from it. She overcame her loneliness by writing letters home and by taking care of the needs of others. Watching her parents care for the physical and spiritual needs of the Chinese made a lasting impression on young Ruth, and she determined to follow in their footsteps. In 1937, at the age of 17, Ruth enrolled at Wheaton College. She caught the eye of a tall, serious-natured student named Billy Graham. His peers called him preacher, and her thoughts after the first time she happened to hear him praying were, there's a man who knows to whom he is speaking. They began dating, and shortly after their graduation, Ruth and Billy were married. They took a pastorate in Western Spring, Illinois, and ministered there for just over a year before Billy became an evangelist with Youth for Christ. Billy's evangelistic ministry started gaining momentum, and soon he was in high demand for preaching engagements. Since he was gone more than he was home, Ruth convinced him to move their family home to Montreat, North Carolina, where her parents were residing. Billy's crusades took him all around the country and eventually the world, leaving much of the child-rearing of their five children to Ruth. As Billy's notoriety rose to celebrity status, he agreed to Ruth's suggestion that they move to a more private location. She secured a plot of land on Black Mountain just outside of town in order to shield her children and her husband from unscrupulous reporters and the tourists who had started flocking to her home and peering in windows trying to get a glimpse of the famous evangelist and his family. Ruth designed and helped build a sprawling log cabin and named it Little Piney Cove. It was here that she raised her family. It was here that her husband Billy would come home to each time his crusades were finished. And it was here that her own ministry of helping others flourished. Ruth ruled her home with love, discipline, and humor. Every day started with prayer and ended with family devotions. During the in-between hours, she lived a consistent, godly life that was not lost on her children. Her spunky nature as a child carried over into adulthood, and she was well known for being unpredictable and for her love of practical jokes. Her adventuresome spirit, kind heart, quick wit, and cheerful disposition not only gave her children a happy childhood, but made her a favorite with everyone she came into contact with. Ruth was a person who loved the Lord, loved life, and loved everyone she met. Someone once commented that her greatest legacy was how she honored everyone. From the very first time she met you, she made you feel like you were special and that you were a gift to the world. 
She was a builder-up of people. She would often befriend those society had discarded, whether they were convicted felons, troubled teens, or drug addicts. She would write, call, and even visit those in prison to try and encourage them. Her husband ministered to countless millions, but Ruth, never one to seek out the spotlight, ministered to the individual. Two important creeds she lived by, never give up on anyone, and make a difference one-on-one, allowed her to influence the lives of so many. Ruth was an artist and a writer. She authored or co-authored more than a dozen books, and her many journals are filled with poetry. She taught her children to make the most of all that comes and the least of all that goes. Her children never saw the tears in their father's eyes as he traveled down their driveway on yet another trip that would separate them for weeks and sometimes months at a time. Ruth never showed her tears either and instead poured her heart out in poetry when times were difficult or she was feeling overwhelmed with loneliness. Ruth was a student of the Bible and had great spiritual wisdom. She was her husband's greatest encourager, confidant, and spiritual advisor. The man who became known as America's pastor said of Ruth, When it comes to spiritual things, my wife has had the greatest influence on my ministry. Ruth never lost her heart for China, and she encouraged Billy to go beyond the borders of America to reach those in the many countries of the world. This meant further separation, but she knew it was for a worthy cause, and it was a particular joy of hers to be able to accompany him on some of these trips. In 1996, at a special ceremony in Washington, D.C., both Ruth and Billy were jointly awarded the Congressional Gold Medal, one of the highest civilian awards in the United States, awarded for their service and lasting impact on American history and culture. Ruth and her husband were very generous when it came to helping the needy. Besides their time, love, and concern, they also donated hundreds of thousands of dollars during their decades of service to help those affected from hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters at home and abroad. Ruth helped establish the Ruth and Billy Graham Children's Health Center at Memorial Mission Hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. She also established the Ruth Bell Graham International Children's Health Fund to help needy children living in other countries. Ruth suffered from physical pain on a daily basis that began back in 1974 when she sustained an injury from a fall involving a tree swing she was testing out for her grandchildren. She underwent multiple hip replacements over the years and suffered from chronic back pain, but most people did not know it since Ruth was not one to complain. In her mid-80s, her health started to deteriorate, and on June 14, 2007, at the age of 87, Ruth passed away quietly in her home, surrounded by her husband and children. This woman, who was worthy of great honor, was buried in a beautiful but simple wood coffin made by prisoners. It is a fitting symbol of a life lived simply for the good of others and for the glory of God. Well, you can learn more about Ruth Bell on my website, sherryhouse.com, but let me tell you one more story from her life that resonated with one of my own. Ruth's senior year of high school was spent in the States while her family was on furlough. She returned to China with her parents after her graduation and, in her mind, had plotted the course for her life. She decided she would never marry and would give her life to be a missionary to the people of Tibet. She was very resolute in her decision and was not happy when her parents insisted that she attend college in the States. Ruth felt it was a waste of time, and the idea of being separated from them again by so much distance was almost more than she could bear. The night before she was to leave, Ruth prayed and asked the Lord to just take her life. She would rather die than be separated from her family. The Lord did not see fit to do that, and the next morning Ruth found herself on a ship bound for America, waving goodbye to her family once again. 
Years later, it would be Ruth's testimony that these times of isolation and separation the Lord put her through were the training ground she would need for her future life of service and a multitude of goodbyes. As Ruth and Billy began courting, Ruth's calling to stay single caused a real struggle for her. Eventually, she told the Lord, Lord, if you'll let me spend the rest of my life serving with him, I'll consider it the greatest privilege. Even after Ruth fell in love with Billy and knew it was the Lord's will for them to marry, she struggled with letting go of being a missionary in Tibet. Her resolution to this part of what she believed to be God's plan for her life almost broke up their engagement, but in the end the Lord gave her peace that His will for her life was not to go to the mission field, but to stay in the States and team up with Billy and his passion for evangelism. Ruth submitted to God's true calling on her life and lived a full life that touched the lives of people not only in China, but in so many other parts of the world. For those who have chosen to spend their lives saying, Yes, Lord, I'll go, send me, it can be hard and frustrating when the Lord tells us to stay put. Many a missionary has had their bags packed, figuratively and literally, only to have to wait on a visa or paperwork from some government office. It took just over a year for me to raise my initial support when I first went to Nigeria. I applied for my visa in plenty of time, and although I had been told getting a visa into Nigeria would be difficult, I just knew it would come by the time I finished my last meeting. I sent several barrels on ahead of me in a container, finished my last meetings, and packed my bags, but my visa didn't come. I waited for a month, and then a second month, and my Heavenly Father reminded me He was in control, and so I waited. I waited for a third month and then a fourth month, and then I began to doubt if I got the Lord's timing right. And my earthly father reminded me of that method the Lord so often utilizes to bring about his will, the birth of a vision, the death of a vision, and the supernatural rebirth of a vision. And so I waited. I waited for a fifth month and then a sixth. And then I began to doubt not only God's timing, but if I had actually gotten the Lord's calling on my life right at all. And then finally, my visa arrived, and before I knew it, I was on a plane headed to Nigeria. I don't remember what all I did during that six months of waiting. I'm sure the Lord used the time to grow my faith and trust in Him. I know I spent time helping in my home church in any way I could with the youth at camp and special events, but only the Lord knows for what reason He asked me to stay put so long after I thought it was time to go. Today I'd like to share a devotion with you I've entitled, When God Says Stay Put. You know, a stay put directive from the Lord does not have to end in frustration. One of the things I have learned from the story of the demoniac of Gadara is the blessing of staying put even when you want to go. Three of the Gospels tell us of this amazing life-changing story of a wild man filled with a legion of demons whom Jesus restored to sanity, but only Luke gives us the end of the story the result of obeying the calling of staying put. The people of the city were frightened when they saw the man, who was completely insane and uncontrollable before, now sitting clothed and in his right mind. They were frightened when they saw that their herds of pigs had plunged down a ravine and drowned in a lake. They didn't want to have anything to do with the man who had caused these things. On the other hand, the demoniac from Gadara was not afraid. For the first time in years, he was whole. He was clear-headed, and he felt he had a purpose for his life, to follow Jesus and serve him. When the people of the city told Jesus to leave, the healed man asked to go with him. I know if Jesus had just worked in my life as he had in his, I'd never want to leave his side and would insist on going everywhere Jesus went. But Jesus told him no. Instead, he gave him two clear instructions. Number one, stay put. 
And number two, speak out. The man obeyed completely. He did not argue. He did not try to reason Jesus into letting him tag along. He simply submitted and obeyed the command to stay and began speaking out about how Jesus had worked in his life. In Luke 8.40, we find the result of his obedience. The Bible tells us, When Jesus returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. The man of Gadara's willingness to stay put was instrumental in changing many people's mind and in them coming to know Christ as their Savior. Today I want to give you six practical things to do when you want to go, but God has said to stay. Number one, stay focused on the Lord. Don't be disheartened. The Lord surely has a plan and in time all will be revealed. Number two, stay in a position where God can use you and reward you. Don't become disillusioned. When God says stay, it is sometimes tempting to feel like just throwing in the towel, so to speak. Don't let the devil trick you into self-pity. Keep your focus on Christ. Number three, stay listening to God's leading and don't become deaf. Continue seeking the Lord's direction through your Bible reading, preaching, and godly counsel. Your stay put directive may actually only be a wait for a while. Number four, stay serving. Don't become distant. Continue meeting the needs of others that the Lord brings across your path where you are. Make use of this time to practice your Esther 414 type of living for such a time as this. Number five, stay doing whatever work you have been doing. Don't become discouraged. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that another work for the Lord is more important than the work you are doing right now where you are. Now is not the time to quit. And lastly, number six, stay soul conscious. Don't become disengaged. The Lord may be having you stay put because there is someone in your neighborhood or in your family or at your work that needs you to speak out and tell them what great and wondrous things the Lord has done for you. The call to go gets a lot of attention, and so it should, but sometimes God calls us to stay. We must be willing to answer either call. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette and learning a little bit more about Ruth Bell Graham and this matter of being willing to stay put. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said, she hath done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at sherryhouse.com. That's S-H-A-R-I house.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production.